you for listening to this message from the Northgate. Last Sunday, after, you know, Apostle was here the week before he came in and we're praying here. I don't know what time it was, like two or three, somewhere around then. I think Ash and Heaven were here. And um, I just take a seat over in this corner, like where the luckies are. And I'm just sitting there and I, I prayed about 30 minutes before I went and sat down. And I didn't hear anything. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Now, because y'all call me prophet, it'd be nice if every time I prayed, I got something. There, there, there are moments in time, there are periods of time where that does happen. There's many times, probably more than those times, that that does not happen, okay? And so, and that's part of the pressure, believe it or not, that I put on myself for years. That actually got me an unbelief that discouraged me and actually kept me out of my purpose, my function. And so, I want to talk about that today. But I'm sitting over there. And because I haven't heard anything, and I am who you all say I am, if not, why would you say it? Well, the prophet Eminem, amen. Remember pastor preaching on that, I used to love it. Messing with BB over there. So I'm sitting over there, and I catch myself busting out the depravity list. And a fleshly, a poor fleshly attempt to invoke an encounter. Now, I, as I process after this, I realized this was prophetic religion that I learned in the prophetic movement. Where they took Acts, where Peter says, repent therefore, so the refreshing can come. Right? Pastor taught this not that long ago. But the repentance that I learned in that movement was my deprivation list. Brother, just confess anything, even if you didn't do it, just to clear the air and make sure you're right with Jesus. Doesn't sound like computed righteousness to me. Thank God for our apostle. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Repentance really means change the way you think. So true repentance happened in that seat over there last Sunday. But what didn't happen was the religious repentance that I was taught that I needed to do. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I don't feel bad. I feel good. I'm happy. I'm like sitting there, I'm good. But then I'm like, I'm not hearing anything. So I'm like, Lord, if I sin against you or heaven. How many know what I'm talking about? It literally bubbled up. For, it just, I'm religiously programmed to do that. I'm happy. I'm not sad. It kind of reminds me of this artist I heard speak one time at, at this training at work. And she was a starving artist. Like her and her friends were all artists, but they had to have real jobs because art doesn't pay, right? So she would talk about how her and her friends would try to, have the self-inflicted depression because their best art came when they were depressed. And they would try to muster up something to be mad at so they can get themselves in a state where they could paint or create something cool. And I was like, or you can just enjoy life and see what beauty brings. But that's religion. That's what religion does to us. Let's muster up and beat ourselves so bad and scourge our own backs enough to where we could produce something and, and sometimes God meets us there because he's so merciful that we actually think it works. Because I've done that hundreds of times over the last 16 years, and it's worked quite a bit. But every time it was just his mercy. Okay, I'm going to show up because you're hungry and desperate, but you don't have to do it this way. Now, my religious lens, I couldn't hear that. So I'm over there. Father, if I've sinned against you, I am literally said that. In heaven, forgive me. 
I sinned, if I cursed anyone, if I did anything, if I talked bad, if I, if I, uh, uh, forgive me for not working out. Like, forgive me, like anything I could freaking think of. And all of a sudden I had this thing that rise up in me. No, no, I'm done with this crap. I'm done with this crap. God, you actually like me. God, you actually enjoy my company. And your word says it's your pleasure to give me the kingdom. What the heck am I doing? So I'm shredding. I begin to shred my depravity list and I begin to laugh. And literally I get delivered right there. And it wasn't the deliverance where I'm like, oh, I've been through those. Those are great too. But it was just like a light went off and I was done. And I stand up. I think Hev was going to walk to the bathroom. I got up and I was like, I had an epiphany. And they look at me because Ash, they're all quiet. Hev was scary when she comes down here. She got like a little head, like Beetlejuice over in the corner. I walked in the other day and the light shined through and I saw this like blonde hair glowing face. I was like, Ugh! I literally jumped and I, I was like, Jesus. Then I got her back like two days later. She's walking. I'm like, she's going to look over here and jump. She turned around and jumped. Pretty funny. Anyways, back to the story. Just had to share that. I'm like, I had an epiphany. And they both looked at me like, what the heck? That was out of nowhere. And I was like, God actually likes me. Now, that's not, that's not new news, right? We used to wear the pink shirts. God likes me, but none of us actually believed it. Remember that? God likes me, but they didn't believe it because we actually didn't believe it. So our frequency didn't match our words. So we never saw them actually get free. It was just a marketing campaign. And when it didn't work, it went away. Because there's something different about the frequency of God likes me than just a pink t-shirt. And I'm not knocking that strategy. Just the frequency has to come before the t-shirt even, before the prop works. Amen. So I'm, so I'm like, God likes me. He actually enjoys my company. It's his pleasure to give me the kingdom. I'm like, that's good news. And they're like, yeah, it is. And we all start laughing and I leave. And I feel different. And I'm literally driving home and I'm sitting there going, I'm back. <laughs> I had the windows down. I'm like, I'm back, baby. Jesus, me and you, bro. I'm back. I finally feel like me after three or four years again. I'm back. Woo! I'm doing Ric Flair shots to myself. I made that part up, but I'm definitely wooing. I'm like, I'm back. I walk in the house and Jen looks at me. I'm like, I'm back, baby. And she's like, looking at me like, what? And I was like, I had an epiphany. She's like, you did? Great. <laughs> and I told her, God actually likes me. Again, not a new, like, not a new word. We all heard it. He actually enjoys my company. Think about Dutch Sheets and the pleasure of his company. Actually believe it. Instead of just reading, I actually had the frequency of it. It's his pleasure to give me the kingdom. And she's like, okay. I was like, I'm back, baby. And she looked at me like this. Like, Then she's like, you know what? This is the greatest compliment a husband could get. Hear me. She looked at me and said, I believe it. Your smile looks different. And I was like, I told you, I'm back. And she's like, thank God. Now you can take that for what it's worth. <laughs> uh, but let's just say I'm not as fun when I'm religious. So you know what I'm saying? Like there's just not the same joy bubbling up. 
And I'll tell you what, if you're frustrated 70% of the time, even 30% of the time, you're not in rest no matter how much you say and repeat and read the scripture of it. You're fooling yourself. You're a fool if you think you're in rest if you're mad all the time. If you're cynical, if you're frustrated and everyone's tearing your world apart and it's not you, it's everyone else tearing your world, you're, dude, you're not in rest. There's no peace. I was fooled by religion because I had extraordinary encounters and moments of peace. But I, I had, I, Mike and I were talking about this. I encountered rest, but I didn't abide there. And I believe I entered in last weekend. Now, tests may come, all those different things, but I'm telling you, whenever it starts to bubble up, I'm like, nope, not doing it. I'm not putting legalism. I went through, th- I think I went through a dark night of the soul for three years since COVID and had no idea. Because it wasn't as hard as the first dark night of the soul I went through 15 years ago, whatever. Probably because I yelled at Jezebel 20 times a day back then. She just came and showed up and decided to fight me because I. she's like, you keep calling me out, I'll keep showing up. So this one's a little different. You see, the reason for my discouragement the last three years wasn't because of COVID. I'm sure that helped, had some kind of being locked inside, not being able to go to the gym or anything or walk. You know what I mean? I'm sure that helped. But what really... Over the years, I got weary. You know how I got weary? It's because I had something connected to in my heart to Bob Jones with tens of thousands, probably other people. And I was really going for his mantle. But I would look at him as like the Mark McGuire, you know, the Hall of Famer. And um, so to me, this is what I'm going for, his encounters. That's what I am. This is what it is. Now, I remember one time having it written on my fridge from years ago, probably back at the gym, because I had a place in Streetsboro for the North Gate was on the prayer list with this stuff, so it was probably back from the gym, and it's still hanging on the fridge. And I went, and I'm, I'm going through the list. I'm like, well, that happened, that happened. Check it off, you know what I mean? Then oh, this one didn't happen, and I heard the Lord say, why'd you stop believing for it? I was like, dang. But I still didn't believe after that. Because I'm looking at the stories that Bob had, but I'm missing, you know, you know like you can't see the forest for the trees sometimes? And so literally my destiny actually became my biggest opposition to me and discouraged me because according to how I viewed Bob, it never manifested in my life the same way it seemed like him. How many know preachers say a lot of cool stuff, but they're actually telling, they're actually showing their highlight reel? I knew a minister years ago that would tell us stuff and people are like, he taught you, acts like he goes to heaven five times a day. And he would address that and he would say, people accuse me of this, I'm just telling you, I haven't had a counter like this in five years. I'm just telling this story to test to testify and stir up your faith because the spirit of prophecy, the spirit, the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. So sometimes we hear the highlight reel and we think that's an everyday, five time a day occurrence. Now I know there's seasons in people's lives where there's a heightened thing like that, but I would literally judge myself. And I'm like, I'm not that. That thing's gone. I'm done. It's just me. I mean, I'll just serve Jimmy and. Pastor Jamie, I'll just serve him and we'll be cool and we'll see some people get touched. It'll be great. I mean, cool. But you know what that does to you? That kills you. What does the enemy come in to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. So I just made a fact whether I care that man or not, it doesn't matter. Now that part is nice because I'm rooted in. I'm, I, whatever you tell me, I'm good. But the part of it was I was literally drowning in unbelief. And I had someone I love text me and said, the Lord, I was kind of shocked. 
he was probably shocked how I responded. He's like, the Lord said you got dull because of unbelief. But he gave me a positive side of it too. Try to church it up a little bit. Thank you, sir. But um, it wasn't a pastor, if you're wondering. It was just someone. And my response is like, no, you're right. And this is why. Like, I've like waited for 16 years and I haven't. You know what I mean? And I know this sounds like, oh, boo-hoo, whatever. But how many know what I'm talking about? You get, you, you like, and, and what the problem is, we become our own worst enemy, right? We become victim of our own expectations. So think about that. We become victim of our own expectations. So when apostle comes, we have a prayer meeting Saturday and Sunday morning. So Sunday morning, Ben Robbins comes over and starts prophesying to me. He comes up to me and starts saying, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said, Bob Jones is getting either assigned or activated today. His angel is getting assigned to you today. And he starts speaking into this thing. And then without knowing any idea what he's saying, Mark Casto on the microphone starts to declare almost the same exact thing Ben's saying. I think Bobby got me later. But then Mark prayed something real peculiar that brought another dimension of clarity to me that really helped me out. He said, like Daniel had an encounter and John the Revelator finished his encounter. How many of you know they had similar encounters? Which I never made that connection before. He's like, so you'll finish and take, to, take the next phase of what Bob left off into what you're doing. And it clicked for me. All they talk about is Bob's encounters. But you know what Bob's real work was? If you would ask Bob, and I've heard people, him talk about this, and people weren't interested in this. They're only interested in the angels and encounters. Do you know what his number one message was? Did you know how to love? His message, his life message was, did you know how to love? He was on the steps of some kind of capital building. I prophesied about Roe v. Wade and all this stuff, and make a long story short, it's pretty intense. The devil told him, literally, if you do this, I'm going to kill you. If you prophesy this, he got up, said, screw you, pretty much. Prophesied it and dropped dead. He literally dropped dead after he prophesied it, right there in the steps. He goes to heaven, and Jesus is like, do you want to go back? And he said, no, heck no. And the Lord's like, you have to. He's like, no, I don't. I can stay right here. And he goes, Jesus looks at him and said, I have one question for you, Bob, that will determine whether you could stay or go. And he said, what's that? He's like, did you learn to love? He's like, no, I didn't. I probably honestly didn't. But I love you, and I don't want to go back. He's like, you can't go back. You didn't learn how to love. Or you have to go back. You, you, you didn't learn how to love. And he goes, Lord, they won't listen to me. You send me these people. They're hard. They won't listen to a word. He goes, you're a liar. There are many that, there are some that don't listen to you, but there are many that do listen to you. And it had this whole thing. He wrote, he, he had one book and it was, did you learn how to love? I had an encounter in Chattanooga last year that mama was praying. I had no idea she was praying. I didn't even want to go. And I found out when I got back, because Jen told me, you know, Mama had this, you know, I was praying for you for this. I was like, are you serious? So I had this encounter. Well, I'll just give you this, the, the brief version of it. I received a living oracle, which I believe is a living message for me to carry. And you know, on, this, on this orb, you know what the, the scripture was? John 17. 
You know what the John 17 is? Us becoming together as one, as he and the fathers in one. It's the completion of love. It's the fulfillment of the new Jerusalem. So yes, I'll take Bob's baton, his scroll. Did you learn how to love? And the finishing story would be like, yes, we loved each other so much, we came, became one as him and the father are one. That's the finishing message of Bob Jones. He asked a question that provokes, Do you, did you learn how to love? My answer is, this is what it looks like when we love. And if I don't see in my lifetime, I'll pass the baton down to Trent or Sam or someone from the, or a whole entire generation and say, this is a blueprint like David gave Solomon, but we haven't fulfilled it yet, but I'm handing it off to your generation to finish it till you look like a city whose gates are pearls, that have walls, that has a river run through it with oaks of righteousness running through it. Amen. And so what religiously put me in a trap on what's, what I'm called to in my life is because I couldn't see it properly. All I kept thinking is the prophetic words and Bob, people would call Bob and he would have a dream about what they dream about and before, and they would call and he'd be like, oh, I had a dream last night. You're over here, you know, and all that cool stuff. That's what I thought. And praise God, please give that to me. That'd be awesome. But his assignment was, his message was, did you learn how to love? You know what else Bob did? Bob helped start the Kansas City Prophets Movement, which wasn't called that. That's just what the critics named it later. And when that thing got scattered, I'm going to spare all the hit, like 20, 30 years of, of history. When that thing got scattered, every prophet, John Paul Jackson went to New England. Paul Kane, I believe, went to California. Um, James Gall, I think, went to St. Louis or, or New, I don't remember where he went. He's still alive. And uh, I think one of them went to Florida, and then Bob Jones went and helped launch Morningstar. And when I... Jen and I first got married. There's a whole big prophetic history between Bob and them. So Bob's other assignment, if you know, people would drive to his house and he would up speak into the Heidi Baker. He would speak into the lives and help them launch their ministry. That's been my family's calling since before I was born. My family helped build churches for other men. They had Dollar Road Church of God. They would go build a church and they would hand it off that literally had no idea Cookie's mom, when I was a baby, used to go worship with my family, my grandma, and my the family singers in Dollar Road, Cleveland. And she used to show up to the tent of Glory Mart, and I had no idea who she was, knew she was Debbie. And then here I meet Katie Lynn and then Cookie years later, and I'm like, he brings everything full circle with the next generation that we don't complete. Crazy, isn't it? So literally I judged myself based off my religious idea of what I was supposed to do. Well, if Bob did this, and I'm supposed to do this, is what I'm supposed to look like. No. Nope. You know why? Because we create these plans for our life. And listen, plans aren't bad. We create these plans for not careful. They become expectations. We marry the plans. It's okay to have plans. It's not a very good idea to marry them. I'm sure Apostle has many blueprints. When he was in South Carolina, he had plans for that property. He had many blueprints. I don't know if he's using those same blueprints in Mobile, but none of that ever happened. He wasn't prophesying. Hear what I'm saying. This is not, hear what I'm saying. He had plans. It's fine. But like, it didn't happen. He may be taking the architecture and building the same thing in Mobile. There was a shift. It was like, go over here. So we make plans. What I'm trying to say is we make plans, but then the Lord said, well, your next step is here. And you're like, What? But what about all these building ideas? Okay, you can keep those plans. 
They're nice. Well, you're going over here. You're going from Batesburg to Mobile. You, you talk about anyone that you know that's made plans for business. David and Sarah shaking their head. You have your, I wrote a business plan for my consulting company like five, six, seven, eight years ago and gave it to them and sent the pastor. That thing drove me crazy. Because I have a map. I can see every highway in this thing. My business plan, you could ask the Heavers. I had every opportunity. I had multiple streams of revenue. I had advertising from five different directions. I had this exit route. I had this. I could do this. And if you talked to the time we talked about my business, the one thing I stumped on the entire time is what's next because I didn't know where to start. I had all these great ideas. I had all these opportunities. I had these things I could see myself doing. Every single one of them made me feel great, made me feel alive. And Jeanette just said, well, what's the next step? I'm like, good question. I don't know. This will put you in a prison. I'm not telling you not to, to, in your mind, map stuff out and plan. I'm saying, if you want this from God, I haven't seen it in scripture since he built the tabernacle or temple. Show me the New Testament where he gives blueprints. Does he outline stuff and give you, yes, yes, yes. I'm not, I know we use, Mike and I were talking, the word blueprint is really means kind of outline. But like, if you actually look at a real blueprint, it's every detail of every square inch of that building. He does not do that very often. In fact, back then he, they needed that because there was no inner witness because they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them the same way we do. Now that we have the inner compass, we remember apostles set us free of this. We don't need the map. We need the compass. Tlonium. BB's message. Tlani wrote a song. Just focus on the next step. Apostle Aaron gets a dot. What is this? Draw it. Draws it. Once he draws the dot in obedience, guess what happens? He gets another dot. What is this, Lord? This is kind of weird. It's two dots. Well, he kept building dots as he was told. Next thing you know, he got a wheel within a wheel, which came a blueprint for his company named Opie, which has had millions, literally tens of millions of dollars in funding. Did he have a map? And I, if you would talk to him, I'm just guessing they probably had a lot of stuff mapped out that never came and happened anything like he planned. Why? Because we all are doing that with our business, everything. Education, you change your majors at least three times before you graduate, if you even stick around to graduate. So why you, like I told the kids Wednesday, why are you trying to figure out your entire life at 14? Because the school tells you to. You're going to, trust me, you're going to change your mind a million times until you get a word of the Lord that sets direction. So Northgate, we don't need details. We need direction. I was talking to someone who's playing at church, and, he, and I was like, hey, what's the big thing? What's the big like, idea that you had? He's like, I don't really have one. I'm like, what's burning on the inside of you? He's like, two things make me come alive. An extraordinary measure of presence and miracles. I'm like, well, that sounds like a compass to me. Sounds like you got your direction. And sometimes we put ourselves in depression because we're expecting this. I want to do what I see the Father do. Well, if the Father didn't tell you something, guess what? You don't have to do it. Let me free you of prophetic religion that I was trapped in for 16 years until last Sunday. Even knowing the principle that is still trapped into, Lord, I got a business. 
where do I start? What does it look like? Who do I hit? Do I do an employers? Do I do people? Do I do? And they all heard it for hours, literally hours on the phone. And guess what? Even talking to them, I didn't get any answers. Why? Because God didn't want to tell us. Had nothing to do with them or me or our ability to hear. Here's the thing. I had a prophetess years ago that said this all the time. This will set some of you free. Ready? Stop relying on your your own ability to hear God and start relying on his ability to speak to you. If BB is my son, come here, BB. And he can't, he's hard of hearing. He's not, thank God. But but if he was, and I'm his father, you know, that's a bad example because he's tall. But um, all the kids are back there, so I don't have any examples. But would a good father say something to a kid that can't hear him and just yell at him and, and judge him? And put sickness and disease on him because he didn't hear what he said the first time? Who would do that as a good father or mother? So when you speak to your son that can't really understand what you're saying, especially you you know, you think of toddlers, they don't really get what you're saying. What do you do? You stoop down, you get their attention, and you lean in. Okay, Brandon, we're not going to do that right now, but we are going to do this. Okay, so... Thank you, Brandon. It's a bad example because he's as tall as I am. But don't rely on your ability to hear God. Rely on his ability and faithfulness to speak to you when you need to hear it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I had a high-level encounter with the face-to-face with Jesus that said, follow after West. Well, find out that's pastor. So if I screw everything else up, the most clearest word that I have is to follow him. So guess what? I'm in obedience. Hear and obey any cost, right? Well, I don't have to obey anything that he didn't tell me to do, not, not to do. Do you see what I'm saying? So in other words, John Paul Jackson used to say like this, if God tells you to move to Texas, your single obligation is to move to the state called Texas. If he tells you to move to Houston, there's 10,000 other cities you're not permitted to move to. Your job is you have to move to Houston city limits or wherever. You can't move outside of here because he gave you a specific word. Some of us are looking for this and such details. And God's like, I don't care about that right now. Just focus on this. What is that? Well, some of you don't have words for direction for your life, but you do to come Northgate and to follow the pastor. What is the pastor saying? Come down and pray. So guess what your obedience is? Coming down and praying. Keep it simple. Otherwise, you, you're, you're going to try to make it like God's doing. Make, once you do all this stuff, you conjure up your head, you're going to be mad thinking you're getting judged. He never told you to do any of it. Seriously. He will give you directions specifically when you need to hear it. I've come to the point in my life where I don't care if he doesn't speak, okay? I want him to speak to me, yes. Don't don't mishear what I'm saying. But if he doesn't say, it's time to start your business, I don't care about starting my business. I have the plans for years. So when he says, go, it's time, Mike is going to go. Every time I pray about it and I get words about it, and I'm sitting there and I get excited. I get down and pray. He's like, nope. Nope. Okay. I'm not even going to submit it to pastor then because I'm not even here to go here. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. When he says go, I got the plans. Right. 
But I'm not going to spend hours groveling over how I screwed up and failed over plans that never manifested yet because he never said go. And I used to do that for hours. I'm sorry, sorry. I should pay you a stipend the rest of my life for having to hear me whine all those years. Is this helping some of you out? Lord, where do I want, where do you want me to move? It's, It's fine to ask him that, but don't beat yourself up if you don't hear anything. If you don't hear anything, he's not giving you instruction. I know I have to live in the state of Ohio. Why? Because when I first got married, where I was engaged, I was entertaining the idea of moving to Maryland. Oh, they got ocean two hours away. Everyone's got a boat. There's a thousand rivers. I could just, man, it'd be cool. I could probably actually get a job with my master's degree that I could in Ohio because no one has business jobs available. This would be nice. Oh, and her dad makes great steaks. I could eat those every week. It could be fantastic. And there's this place called Old Salty's, and they have this prime rib. They cook it like a steak, and it's awesome, glorious. Other than that, I can't stand Maryland. <laughs> Snobbish or dirtbag, depending on what Jersey part you go around. There's a lot of, anyways, sorry for all the, I got to be careful. Someone's going to get mad at me. But I, I'm sitting there, and I was entertaining, and I go to pray, and the, I open up the Bible. And the Lord's like, open up your Bible. I opened up. He's like, read. One of those things, you just open it up. And it went to the place where Solomon was disobedient. And he's like, the Lord's like, I'm going to strip the kingdom away from you if you don't change. And I was like, oh my gosh, this can't be the Lord. So I shut it and I opened it up to the same exact page. I was so mad. <laughs> I literally opened it up with, ah, dang it. Like what I do, I pray three hours a day. Is not good enough? What's going on? And the Lord, the Lord just spoke clearly to me. If you move to Maryland, you'll throw away everything I want to do in your life. So if you do this, it'll strip away every single thing I planned for me, just like it did Solomon. So stop even talking about it. And I wasn't even really serious about I'll just entertain it. Oh, I don't know. It's pretty good steaks down there. So the entertain of moving, nope. I know where I'm supposed to be. He didn't tell me to move the streets, bro. He didn't tell me to move the man. He didn't tell me. He just said, don't leave Ohio. So guess what? I'm not leaving Ohio ever, 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 ever until I have a really big encounter that says otherwise, and and then everyone gets me the green light on it. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't even quite, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. Do you see what I'm saying? Don't. Like, literally, your need for specific instructions is actually causing you inner turmoil. You focus on the next step. What is it? I don't know what it is. You know what it is? One thing. What's the next step? You're not hearing anything? Then don't move. One thing. One thing. Face to face. And then when you're face to face, if he says something, then you move. Mike probably had some planes in his heart. We come down here and he's thinking about whatever he, I don't know. I'm just making stuff. I don't know what he's thinking. We're down here praying one day, and I get a word, like a new job's coming. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is a staff person of the church. I'm not allowed to prophesy this stuff. But it was, I was going to blow up. I'm like, and it wasn't real specific. It was kind of generic. But I'm like, I don't know, man. Submit this to pop, whatever, because I just feel like this is, have no idea. But God did. Because soon after that, pastor calls like, yeah, um, I might need you to come on staff. Mike's moving on. I'm like, what do you mean? You gave him the word, didn't you? I'm like, oh, gosh. I'm like, what did I do? 
I didn't give him anything specific. I promise that. And he wasn't, it wasn't like he was, he wasn't cracked to me. He was just, I was just like me. I'm like, oh gosh, should I screw something up? That ruined someone's life. <laughs> Still a little religion right up. And Mike goes on for an opportunity to take his father-in-law's business over and become a general contractor. And it didn't really make a whole lot of sense until Apostle came. Your builder's sons will marry you. He literally married in to the inheritance to become a general contractor of a man that told our pastor before this thing ever existed, before we're taken, the Lord told me I'm going to build for your church for you. And so if that man's not around when this happens, the son married into it to inherit the business to have the workers. So I believe, because when, when I was praying for the new building, I'm praying, I'm seeing Amish people lift their hands and tears running down their face. When Apostle was saying, your builder's sons will, and I know Joe works with them as well, and I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, this makes a lot more sense now. Why? He's married to our pastor. He's married to our pastor. And guess what? Those Amish crews are married to him now. Through business contracts and years of history with his family, they're married to him. So the builders through him are married here. Now you start to realize, wow, our lives, every detail of our lives are really kind of intrinsically linked together. Intricately linked, right? Praise God. I wasn't even planning on talking about that. If he doesn't tell us, we don't need to know. Here's the biggest problem we all have, including myself. I like to put my hands on stuff and ruin it. Lord gives me a word. You're going to have a consulting business. Great. It's going to look like ABC. It's going to be called this. It's going to be blah, 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 blah. Like, he didn't tell me any of that. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? He told me I'd have a consulting business. And here I'm driving myself crazy trying to figure out how I'm going to make it work when he just said I'm going to have a consulting business. Never spoke about any of the other stuff. So guess what? I'm not supposed to know. I tell you this, whenever I need a word, he's faithful to give it. You know what I do know, though, in the, in the process of this? I'm walking down here, and I, and I, get, a, I get an outline, not a blueprint, because I'm not using that language anymore, even though it's good. Don't judge anyone that used that. I get an outline in prayer for a book about exploring God. I come down here, and I see it manifest like it's living. I told you this before. I texted the pastor. Let me know when you think it's time. He's like, start now. Like, amen. So guess what? Maybe the reason why I don't have the business thing started yet is because I have a book to write before that comes. And that's okay with me because that's a dream. The Lord last year told me to build him a compass. Do you remember me talking about this, Mike? Build him a compass. I'm like, what is this? Now I know what it is. It's a book. It's a book. The cover is going to have a compass on it. And literally, this is my gift back to the Lord. You said build the compass. This is me, like, building you an altar when, they, when Abraham would go sacrifice. This is me, and I, I, I saw myself dedicated back to the Lord and saying, Lord, I give this compass. This is the best I have, could do with the grace you've given me. So I'm not going to sweat over what I miss or regret writing this or that. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to hand it back to you and say, here's my offering back to you. It's a compass that you actually gave me that you've created. And some of you kingdom builders will be a lot less stressed out if you actually believe your business was a word of the Lord. Because in the garden, Adam didn't create anything. God did and came to Adam. What do you want to call it? What do you want to call it? If your business is a word of the Lord, guess what, Justin? It, there's nothing you could do about it. 
God created your business. Does your sweat go into it? Yes. Does your back hurt at the end of the day? Yes. You have to work. Hard work is fine. But you know what? Hard work is not where the increase comes. Increase comes from the the favor and grace. And if you think your hard work is what's going to, there's a lot of hardworking people that don't have any money. Go to Peru and tell me those people don't work all day for a little bit of food. And they're, they're lazy. They're not lazy. This isn't about wanting something to fall out of heaven. This is saying, I work hard, but the increase doesn't come by the sweat of my brow because that was the curse. And he wore the crown of thorns. I don't have to receive that. The increase comes from him. <laughs> Amen? So we got to keep our hands off it. Every time I put my hands to the business plans, I drove myself crazy. You know why? It's Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That you think you can, what made you think that you could finish in the flesh what started in the spirit? If the business started from a word of the Lord, why would you think your effort was going to finish it? I'm not telling you not to, to work hard and to do things and advertise. Hear what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, why do you think you're going to make it happen with your good ideas? When he says, go left, go left. And he says, go right, go right. When he says, bring this to the store, bring this to the store. And it doesn't mean it's going to be there forever. doesn't mean it's going to look the same. A tree looks a lot different fully grown than when it does at the bottom. Amen? So we got to learn to keep our hands off it. Not that we don't work. We're not asking stuff to fall the sky. Hear what I'm saying. But when we put our hands to it, we screw it up. And next thing you know, people get frustrated. Why? Because we're trying to finish in the flesh. God doesn't need our hands in everything. Pastor told us years ago, stop trying to fix everything. When we do that, right, it, it, it gets everything jacked up. Hey, God, I like what you have to say, but let me, what about this? Is, let me do this. Is, no, didn't tell you that. And guess what? You're mad because it didn't work and you spent all that money trying it, right? And now you're frustrated. You wouldn't have been frustrated if you just waited. Amen. So briefly, I want to touch on a couple things real quick. I want to talk about dimensions of rest just real quick. There's five different words for rest that I found. Two are from Matthew eleven twenty nine. They're both translated rest, and both of them, they mean something different. The first one, we know this scripture, right? Come to me, all who are weary, and I'll give you rest. And there's two words. It's used rest twice. There are two different words. One means free from toiling or physical labor. One means inner rest or tranquility, right? Both are good. In Hebrews 4, 3 through 5, actually, I think six times this word for rest is used. It actually means habitation, settlement, dwelling place, or inhabiting the promise. Then one time in Hebrews, I think it's 5, maybe later in chapter 4, it actually means Sabbath. But six times the word for rest actually means settlement, habitation, dwelling, and actually refers to them going into the land of Canaan. But wait a minute, Paul. Doesn't Hebrews 4 say they didn't enter the the rest? So if the word used there means promised land or habitation or dwelling place, they entered Canaan, but but you said in Hebrews 4 they didn't enter rest. What? Is the Bible an error? Or is it meaning something else? There's not an error. 
They entered Canaan. They settled Canaan, but they never got settled in the heart, and they never became a habitation of the rest. And the promise, though they entered the promised land, the promise never entered them. Increase, kingdom builders, doesn't come through your hard work. It comes through the settlement of the promise and rest. And last week in that seat, all I had to do was say, I'm done with the deprivation list and how all, man, with all the bad stuff that I think I am. And I started entering face confident rest in Hebrews 4. I believe it. Is the promise settled in your heart? I have a word from Bob Jones. I didn't need that word because I had a great weekend. I didn't need the word in my thinking. But I got it from three of our pastor's brothers. And then apostle, he said, leaned over to him that night, that night, not knowing any of this happened and said, does he know anything about Bob Jones? Now, if he knew Mark prophesied, he wouldn't ask that question. Does he know anything about Bob Jones? Why would our apostle say that to our pastor? Because there's a frequency being birthed in this room that morning that's permeating. You know what that means? It's not just a good idea. There's a frequency being birthed in me that those guys were calling out and identifying, and it's starting to awaken like never before, and the clarity's starting to come. Because I know I got the clarity, I know it's time to step into it. And it's not to beat myself up over the counters I think that Bob had that I don't have and, and to compare my highlight reel to his. It's actually to finish the scroll, which is what they prophesied, which is John 17 being preached in the earth. Did you learn how to love? Yes, I did. And this is what it looks like when we, we've finished the works of love, when love comes complete together as a community. That's why you can't be independent because when you're independent, if you're not already, at some point you're going to be selfish and you'll be unable to actualize the full expression of love because it's impossible. It was impossible for God to have the full expression of love alone. So guess what? There was three of them together. And then even in that, even in the Holy Trinity, who's nothing but the embodiment of pure love, still needed to express it more. So guess what? They created beings. And when they needed to express it beyond that, they said, I got a deal. Let's make these clay vessels out of dirt that have free will and can screw this whole thing up. Because it's one thing that angels have to love us, but it's another thing when these screwed up beings just choose to love us. That's good news. You will enter rest on your life and the plans, and you won't need specific instructions ever again when you have the promise settled in your heart. Bob Jones' thing is settled more now than it ever has been. Could there be room to grow? Probably, but I don't know that yet because I'm, I'm back, baby. I'm back. And I'm not putting legalism on again. I'm not. I'll stay honorable the best I can. Someone cuts me off, I might, you know, screw up <laughs> whatever. You know, the car. I, I'm not saying I won't be fleshly at times, but what I'm saying is, my propensity is not going to be, I'm going to experience joy. My new mode is going to be joy. And there are being bumps on the road where I get frustrated, but that won't be my propensity. That won't be my mode anymore. My mode shifted last Sunday. Yeah. 
Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 45. I'm going to lay out some stuff, then I'm going to tell you who you are. How about that? Catch me outside. <laughs> I'm back, baby. Catch me outside. I don't know what that means, but I think it's give me money at the church. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm kidding. Don't do that, please. Don't do that, please. <laughs> All right. This is the beginning of the, the first closing. <laughs> you ready? For it is written that the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became the life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual didn't come first. The natural precedes the spiritual. The first man was from the dust of the earth. The second man is the Lord Jehovah, or Yahweh in the other version of the Passion, from the realm of heaven. The first one made from dust has a race of people just like him who are also made from the dust. It's not us. Hint, hint. The one sent from heaven has a race of heavenly people who are just like him. Northgate, who do you identify? The man of dust or the man of heaven? Once we carry the likeness of the man of dust, but now let us carry the likeness of the man of heaven. You know what that means? The day when you're a sinner saved by grace, like Apostle says, that nanosecond, you instantly became a man of dust to a man of the spirit. There's nothing you can do about it. First in the natural, then in the spiritual. Throughout the scripture, you can see where God created something in the old covenant and, and it manifests in the spirit. Tabernacle. Guess what? You're all walking boxes that hold the glory. The temple. You're all being built up together as a holy temple of worship. Really? You don't need the temple. I don't need to watch Israel and see if they have the red heifer. I don't care about that. <laughs> we're being built up. We are the church. The church. We are the building. What well, used to be a building is in us. If you actually study the tabernacle, there's three dimensions of us. Hello, body, soul, and spirit. It's a perfect outline of the three dimensions of men. You could go throughout. You know what they Paul called them? Types and shadows. Types and shadows of things to come. So guess what? Be careful what you call original intent. Because original intent's not Adam in the garden. Woo! What do you mean? I don't have anything to do with Adam. Bless, I hope Adam, I think he's in heaven, praise God. But I don't have anything to do with the man of dust. I was born again to the man of heaven. So I can't marry my blueprint, my origin story to the garden. Ooh, wait a minute. But, but he's restoring the garden, not like you think he is. Let me show you. Let's go to Song of Songs. How satisfying to me, my equal, my bride. Your love is my finest wine, intoxicating and thrilling. I'm going to fall in love with myself just reading this. <laughs> And your sweet perfume praises, so exotic, so pleasing. Now watch this. 
Your loving words are like the honeycomb to me. Anyone hear that word lately? Your words. Your words to Jesus are like honeycombs to him. Think about what Apostle said a couple weeks ago. Your tongue releases milk and honey. Whoa, Jesus, calm down. For I find the promised land. What? The promised land? You mean Hebrews 4 definition of rest flowing within where? You? And us? The promised land, a physical location called Canaan, is no longer in Canaan. Guess where it's at? It's in Brandon Boyette. It's in Mike Savage. It's in Jeremy Kales. It's in Toby. It's in Talani. I find the promised land flowing within you. The fragrance of your worshiping love surrounds you with scented robes of white. Boop. There we go. My darling bride, look, my private paradise. Fastened to my heart, a secret spring are you that no one else could have. My bubbling fountain hidden from public view. What a perfect partner to me now that I have you. This is him singing to us. Go on. Your inward life is now sprouting, bringing forth fruit. What a beautiful paradise unfolds where? Within you. When I'm near you, I smell aromas of the finest spice. Remember this one, where we're going. Back to Genesis. For many clusters of my exquisite fruit now grow within your inner garden. And we'll skip through all that. We don't need spike nard. That's just fun to say. We'll say spike nard. <laughs> Keep going. Your life flows into mine, pure as a what? Garden spring. A well of living water springs up from within you like a mountain brook flowing into my heart. Sounds a lot like John 7. He who believes in me is a scripture that said, well, flow from him. Rivers of living water. Next verse. Then, your, then may your awakening breath, this is the bride singing back, blow upon my life until I am fully yours. Breathe upon me with your spear wind. Stir up the sweet spice of your life within me. Spare nothing as you make me your fruitful garden. What? She's acknowledging I'm the, the inside of me. The internal, my interior world is the garden of God. Hold nothing back until I release your fragrance. Come walk with me as you walked with Adam in your paradise garden. Come taste the fruits of your life in me. Do you realize some sort of garden is mentioned in what verses 10 to 16, in six verses, in Psalm, Psalm 4, in 10 verses, there's a garden reference nine times in six, six verses. Do you know seven of those actually is saying the garden's you and within you? So what was Eden? It was a physical lo location that no longer exists. People are like, is it in heaven? I even thought about that. No, you know where it's at? Inside of you. I can't make it more plain than this. What was natural physical location is now an interior reality within your world. You know what you do? You haven't seen it manifest because you haven't actually believed it. So when pastor is praying and the Lord says, I want to build you a garden. You know what he's actually saying? I want to build you a people. Uh-oh. You mean streets world is not a garden? No, because the answer to the world around you is the world in you. As we become the grow a garden, Mike is a plot of land. Ashley's a plot of land. 
Mom also plot of land. Each of us are sections. How many of you ever been to like a botanical gardens? You have the tulips over here, the roses, the lily pads, the greenhouse over here. And guess what? As we come into together and we become joined and we lock arms, we become a beautiful botanical garden for him. And this city has a garden. And then you know what happens? The world inside of us, BB, now affects the world outside of us. And it comes full circle. What started in the natural became spiritual. And then what's the end of our salvation? Your natural bodies will be completely restored. You'll put on a new body. Really? The Lord told me, New Jerusalem is the fulfillment of John 17. Natural Jerusalem and Zion, spiritual. It's inside of us. We become together, fulfillment of John 17. Then guess what happened? A tangible city comes down, full circle, back to the natural. What started in the natural shifted to the spirit and will manifest at some point be actualized back in the natural realm. You just have to mirror your faith that you're going to be a part of it. The city is actually you. The new Jerusalem is actually you. As Zion place, pastor hit this earlier today. I believe it is. Could be a mountain. It was a physical place. I don't. I used to long to go to the mountain of Zion. Never had an encounter that I, I would say this is Zion. And I know people have, so I'm not knocking that. But I'm just saying more than that, it's the place where I become fully alive. It's the place where you become fully alive. The mountain is actually, what it, how do I know this? Because Jesus said the kingdom's not an observation. The kingdom of God's where? Within you. So guess what? When I go to Zion, if I go to a place called Zion, what am I doing? I'm actually going to the kingdom of God right here. I'm being awakened to what's already deposited on the inside of me. And when we come together and we become one, guess what happens? The kingdom of God will manifest out there the same as it is in here, but it first has to manifest here. We're not quite there yet. What does this mean? Let's go to Genesis 2 and find out. Genesis 2.10, and this is what I'll be closing on. And you guys could pray. If any of you guys get anything you want to pray into, let me know at the end of this. Now a river went out from Eden to water the garden. Man, so good. Sounds a lot like the city, actually. With a river like crystal that runs right through where all the trees are. Imagine that. Now, a river went out for me to water the garden, and from there it parted, became four riverheads. I'm going to butcher these names. <laughs> I'm really going to pray for this one because <laughs> I'm always tempted to say it anyways. The name of the first is Pishon. 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 Amen. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havlava. It's kind of like Baklava, so I remember that one. <laughs> Where there is gold. Bridget makes the best baklava and she's not here and reminded me. That reminded me of it. Praise God. Oh, is she? You better give me some baklava. I'm just saying. I just triggered, I just triggered reading that. Miss mispronouncing that word. You wouldn't look at Bridget and think she know anything about Greek food. I tell you, it's better than anything I've ever had at Aladdin's. Praise God. And the gold of that land is good. Anyone ever hear of a gold standard? And maybe we screw this up because we thought gold standard was about how well we dress. And I'm not saying that stuff's not right. But we, we always kind of, we have a tendency 
when we get religious to put our, and we put our mind on it and our hands, we start, well, it looks like this. This is what, what, what standard is. Well, well, maybe the gold is actually what's flowing from inside of us. And I'm not saying that won't change the way you carry yourself and the way you dress and all that stuff, but the external factor, no matter how many nice clothes I put on, it doesn't change anything in the tier world because the old covenant never worked like that. So I'm not knocking a spirit of excellence, but I think that's great to have. What I'm saying is that's not going to manifest. Excellence will come from this. The gold of that land is good. Bedellium and the onyx stone are there. You know what onyx stone is? Some people contribute to that heat to healing. And property that actually um, fights anxiety and depression. Now, I just Googled it, so don't Google it because there's some weird stuff out there. Okay? Some websites, I was like, well, I don't even know if I should. <laughs> I'm not even open this up. I'm going back out. I'm closing this window. So just leave that, whatever, where it's going to be. But there's gold there. And this bedellium is actually a gummy type of aroma that they would burn or add stuff to for fragrance. Think about that. Keep going. The name of the second river is Gihon, I think. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. Cush. I'm terrible tonight. Do <laughs> these names. The name of the third river is Hedekel. I'm looking at Mike because this is his stuff, by the way. This is, this is what I called him about. Hey, that four river stuff you taught years ago, where, what is it? It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. Is there another one after that, or is that it, Kevin? That's it. Pishon means increase. This scripture tells us it's the place where aroma is, where gold is, and where healing is, and rest is. Gihon is bursting forth suddenly. This is what Mike researched and gave us years ago. Hedekel means rapid acceleration, or I looked it up today, a rapid spiritual influx. Euphrates means fruitfulness. Now, this river came out, came in one way and went out four different ways. Sounds a lot like John 7, 37, right? On the last day of the feast, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and declared, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to the waters and drink, right? Then he says, he who believes in me, again, faith, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow what? Does it say a river or does it say rivers in plural? Sounds a lot like the garden. Sounds like what was natural became spiritual and placed on the inside of us. When I was looking in the back room Wednesday, we're in a prayer meeting. I'm literally seeing, I saw this a couple years ago. I'm seeing again, I'm seeing Eden on the inside of people and I'm seeing rivers that have gold in it. And I'm like, oh, 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 Mike, Mike, what's the gold? What's the gold? And I, I caught it. I didn't say Pishon. I said another name, but it was close enough. I'm not going to say it because we'll have to take it out of the podcast. But uh, the Pishon has gold there. And we start declaring, there's gold in you. So kingdom builders, there's gold on you. There's gold. Gold isn't a nugget you're trying to get and have that you put on a shelf in a nice coin. That stuff is awesome. Gold is the creative ideas and winning inventions that flow from you. And here's the thing. If you got a word for a patent, praise God. But if not, don't think creative ideas has to be the patent. Why? Because I'm praying down here the other night with Jeremy and Josh and a handful. You know what creative ideas came? 
Jeremy, I see a room called the sanctuary. You know what will not be in that place? There won't be a deprivation tank. Because the witch down the road has one. And I don't, no one needs to be depraved. You know what they need to come in? Rest. And while they're waiting to do whatever they need to do, they're going to come up to a man of God and say, I'm going to go while I'm waiting. Well, I got 10 minutes. Do you mind if I go to the sanctuary? There's rooms. There's playrooms. There's creative rooms. And it makes no sense, Jeremy, but I tell you just publicly to acknowledge this. I already know. He already gave you the word. People will come to pay to have rest. Why? Because they already do. They go to salt caves. They're looking for a peace they can't find. But there's a sound that this man may create that'll be playing in the background. There's a fragrance of a certain fragrance to maybe in each specific room. And it's going to, well, just like the Pishon. There's an aroma. There's gold there. Why? What's gold? It's the creativity and the frequency that comes out of a man. It's the garden of Eden inside of you that's reverberating. It's Pishon on the inside of you saying, increase is coming. Gold is here. Gold is here. Gold is here. Gold is here. And it releases a new standard of intimacy in the earth. It's not about money, but it'll include money. Because money, why? Bryn said it. Mike and I have been talking about it. Faith moves heaven. Money moves earth. So it'll include money, but it's not about it. Gold is such more, gold is an element. And there's the element gold and then there's living gold. In this scripture, if you read in New King James, it, it, it says the gold of the land was good. You know what that? You don't have to have any guilt of what flows out of you. You got multiple rivers of living water. Then what happens? Come on, baby. Come on, Mike. And baby's got some rivers. I join with him, and he joins. We're joined together. I think of that guy, Havoc, the old X-Men. I mean, you see what I'm talking about. Cookie knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> shooting fireballs out of his belly. Woo. What happens when my four rivers line up with Brandon's four rivers and Mike four rivers and the 100 people in this room's four rivers and my gold mixes with his gold, and we just spray the entire city with the rivers on the inside of us. <laughs> I don't know if I got any more in me. That's okay. Yeah. I'm going to leak all over you, Brandon. <laughs> I'm going to pour right into you. But you can't pour into anyone if you don't believe it for yourself, Northgate. It's time that rest gets settled. It's time the promise gets settled. Do you have a word for Rooted Oaks or you do, do you not? Let it get settled tonight. Let it be settled. Let the case be closed of the wrestling of Rooted Oaks. Is it a word of the order? Is it not? If it is, the case is closed. Let it be settled. You know what happens? It doesn't look good, but I'm not shaking. Because even if it dies, I had a ministry called the Freedom Prayer Room. And because we were talking about it at the time, I said, Lord, anything left of me of there, get rid of it. I want to move forward. He said, I can't. Like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm not talking about the building. But the prayer room's you. That's who you are, Mike. I can't take that from you. It's who I designed you to be. I'm not talking about the ministry. I'm not talking about the building you're part of. I'm saying that part I can't take away. I already took away the building. I already took away the people you ran away, ran with. But that doesn't die. It's who you are. 
And guess what? I do it every time I come here to pray by myself. I'm doing the same thing. When you guys come in and pray, this is what I dreamed about. I don't have to stir anyone up. We just come in and pray, and we encounter God together. And when God nudges us to pray with each other, we do it. This is, this is me. I'm not, I didn't cause this. What I'm saying is, this culture is me. I found my tribe here. I found my tribe. You found your tribe. That's why we do this together. Thank God for Mike who comes earlier than all of us. I, like, listen, young and old, we found our tribe. Let the promise be settled. It's never, listen, stop being a victim of your own expectations, your own ideas. Because all you do when it doesn't happen like you thought is get mad. You want to blame people? You want to blame yourself? You want to get poo-poo, little poo-poo? Have a little pity party? I'm not good enough. I don't add up because my expectations didn't. He never told you those things. Stop it. Not everything from my mouth is the word of God. Let me help you. I'm humble enough to say it. I have good ideas sometimes. I also have words of the Lord. And I will tell you if you ask me. And usually I put the disclaimer. I'm, I'm not prophesying. How many of you heard me say that? I'm not prophesying, but I'm thinking about this. So I'm going to pray into it for you. But I'm not saying this is a word of the Lord. I'm not putting that pressure on myself. Do you come back and mad at me? Like you said, you said, you probably, I didn't prophesy. I clearly said. You know what I'm saying? Praise God for that. I'll be honest with you. There's times where I know, am I knower? Am I knower, 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 knower? That's a word of the Lord. There's times I'm not so sure. So you know what I don't go around saying? They'll say it to the Lord. I don't, I really, the only time I ever find myself saying that is when people speak that language and I've realized the Lord was communicating to them because they needed to hear it that way or they wouldn't receive it. Throughout 16 years of prophetic history with God, that's the only time I've used that is when other people use it and that's how they hear a word of the Lord and they had to hear it in King, King James for some reason. Praise God for the spat passions. I could speak in tongues in the passion translation now. Is the promise settled? I'm telling you, from last week to today, it's more settled now. And guess what? I don't have the pressure of manifesting anything Bob Jones did. All I know is I got those words, even though I didn't feel like I needed any words last week or when the apostle was here that weekend, but I received them. So guess what? I needed them. And the fact that apostle looked at our pastor and asked him, does he know anything about Bob Jones? Means there's a frequency in this house now that's saying it's coming, it's time. It's time to pick this up again. And now I know. It ain't about the level of encounters I have. And I hope I have just as many, if not more, than he does. It's about finishing the message. Thank God for Mark Casto to say that. Because now I have the clarity. Take, I'm taking you right back full circle. I couldn't figure it out. I caused myself 16 years of internal hell because I saw all the exits. There's a lot of ways to get to Florida, a lot of ways to get to Disney, a lot of different highways. There's faster routes. There's a long route. There's multiple long routes. I could take this way. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? God, what do I do? Jeanette, what do I do? Ed, what are you getting? What are you getting? You get anything? You get anything? What's all y'all something to do to me? Don't put that curse on me, Ricky Bobby. (laughs) 
supposed to be a prophet to the nations. My very first prophetic word. Where are the nations? Then here, I go with Pastor to Hope Chapel. I go with them to Covington, Georgia, and I prophesy over there. Then I go with them to Chattanooga. I go with them down to Crestview. I prophesy there. Right? And I start realizing, I go to Toledo and prophesy in there. And I'm like, hmm, I go to Kentucky in March, I'm prophesying there. And I'm like, wow, the word of my life's actually getting fulfilled. But because my, now I have no ambition to this. I don't need my name in lights. I actually think it's kind of weird that people put their face on stuff and they're like, revival meetings now. I do not, I hate that stuff. I don't even want to put my name on it. I cringe at that. I get why people do it, but I'm just like, ah. Wow, you mean I can have the prophecies on my life just fulfilled without having to strive and try to undercut someone else and hand out business cards at conferences and wear myself out trying to make it happen? Yes. But Mike, you're not the man. I don't need to be the man. I'm riding with one of the mans. And it's fun. You know why? Because there's no pressure on me. So I'll just join myself to a father and watch this thing unfold, and I need to be somewhere, God has a clear way, just like the example with BB, that he could speak to me. That's to me, through apostle, through our pastor. Come on this trip. Ah, okay. Why? Because my flesh don't want to travel. Let <laughs> me honest with you. Okay. Kentucky? No, I didn't have that Kentucky. I wanted to go. Like, I was like, I was feeling it. And something came alive in that sound with CJ England where I'm sitting there and I started vibrating on the inside of me. Something was getting awakened. Then an apostle came and there was some residue or deposit. I don't know what you want to call it, but I was sitting right there and this breakthrough happened that literally this thing is gone. And all I have is, is a compass on the inside of me. There's not a war between the map and the compass. What about this? What about this idea? Nope. When you tell me, I will start the business. When you tell me, I will go that direction. I have not gotten there. I'm not going. So what do I do in the meantime? Follow the one he told me to follow. Come down and pray. Come pray at the kids. Okay. What about the business? What about it? I haven't heard anything. I'm Listen. I know some of you make your living doing it, so I'm not telling you to be indifferent to your business and be an epithet. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, when he speaks, be obedient. But if he's not speaking, you're not disobedient. Do you see what I'm saying? If he speaks through pastor, be obedient. Listen, discern the voice of God through other people. But here's the thing. There's a garden on the inside of you that's bursting forth with increase, rapid acceleration, and fruitfulness. It's the year of the wind, Northgate. The end of this chapter that we read in Song of Songs said, blow my garden. Blow north wind, blow south wind. Until the fragrant spices of my garden please you. Isn't that funny? We're in the north and south. From here to Mobile, pretty much about north and south you can get. David, do you realize, Sarah, do you realize there's gold on the inside of you? 
And we could religiously say yes, intellectually say yes. This is my problem, but in here I didn't believe it. There's gold in you. There's sweet, fragrant aroma in you. There's healing and there's rest in you. You know what you do? Not to miss the fullness of that. Hebrews 4 tells us, marry your faith to it. Cast down every imagination, every theory, every thought, every reasoning that exalts itself about the word of God for your life. Every single one of them. BB and I were talking before, and I'm going to end on this. BB and I were talking before church. Isn't it funny that in the manifestation of beloved identity was the same exact night at the Last Supper as the full manifestation of betrayal and independence? You ever thought, I didn't, never thought about it, it just came out of me. I was like, oh, geez, that was good. Let me write that down. Praise God. Put that in the book somewhere. I don't know. I don't remember reading anywhere where John leaned his head on Jesus until the Last Supper. I could be wrong. John leans, the beloved, the one whom Jesus loved, leads, leans his head on Jesus' bosom and enters into rest. The same exact time Judas enters into betrayal. He already, he already had it planned, but I think he had opportunity up into that moment. And, and scholars would probably say I'm wrong because it said he was chosen to be the son of perdition. I have this, and I can't prove it scripturally, but I believe if Judas would have repented, another son of perdition would have been chosen. And what's crazy about it, pastors have been talking about independence. Guess where Judas went? He went to his own place. So sometimes the betrayal isn't that you got someone killed and murdered. The thing is, you just went off to your own thing. But here's the thing. What are we judging ourselves on? And maybe this is more for leaders or parents. Are you judging yourself based off the one that betrayed you or became independent? Or are you judging yourself off the one that leaned in and became beloved? Because Jesus may have been talking about John and Judas the entire time when he said, there's, there's wheat and there's tares. And don't pull them. Just wait till they're fully matured so you don't tear everything else up. Maybe some people are close to Judas and, and Jesus didn't want to call them out yet because it wasn't time. Because it could have hurt, like, maybe Philip or someone else. Who knows? But do we judge ourselves on the independent ones that betray us, or do we judge ourselves on the ones that lean in all the more? When it comes fully mature, you'll know who the loyal ones are and the independent ones, because they'll manifest. And what, what did Jesus say to Judas as John leaned on his chest? He's hugging one. He looked at him and said, go do what you have in your heart to do. At that moment, you think Judas from like, this cat knows. I'm sorry, Jesus. Let me come up like John. Will you take me back? No. He went up and actually did it. He went to his own place. So listen, leaders that will listen on live stream or even in this room, parents, listen. As you close in to beloved identity, or people of the group, the church leans in closer to beloved identity, the independent ones will manifest the same exact time. There's nothing you can do about it. So if you're a pastor watching this, praise God, get free tonight. If you want to hear more in depth and a way cooler version of that, listen to our apostle talk about leaving from wilderness society. Amen. Isn't that funny? 
when you lean into beloved, and BB was like, you know what? The most, when I would step into promises the most, there was someone always close to me that would take off. Something like that would happen. At the same exact time, you just went through it again. It doesn't mean they're bad people. They may not be Judas's. They just may be, I'm doing my own thing. Well, I'm leaning at the same exact time, you're the ones, they leave. Do you take your head off? Did John take his head off Jesus' chest to see where Judas was going? Neither am I. Doesn't mean I don't love you and I don't care for you. It just means I'm not taking my head off his chest. That's good. That's good revelation right there. Come on, stand your feet. I don't feel like we need to do anything else in the room. If the promise is not yet settled in the heart, let the case be closed. Rip up your depravity list. Rip up your roadmap that makes you think you got to be 5,000 places. You only have to be where he told you. So some of you following a father and coming in here and praying in off nights, you're, you're in the perfect center of obedience and you're beating yourself up for it. What do I got to do? Am I supposed to be doing something else? If he didn't tell you to do something else, then no, you don't have to do anything else. And most of you in a room probably beat yourself up because of order issues. A lot of order issues aren't even sin. Should they be dealt with? 100%. They should be dealt with. But order isn't that things are out of order aren't necessarily sinful things. And you're beating yourself over like you're a great sinner over things, some things being out of order. No, put those things in order for sure. But let interior order come to your interior world. The exterior world gets easy. You know, how do I know? Because I'm back. Even when I go to do something stupid this week, I'm like, nope. The temptation of like, you idiot, why'd you do? Nope, self-talk's done. I'm back. And when my wife looks at me and says, I could tell because your smile's different, I win. You can't talk me out of it. You can't talk me back into beating myself. And beating myself up never got me anywhere. There's a garden on the inside of me, and there's, there's gold on the inside of here. And I don't know how it's going to manifest in what particular ways, but I know it's going to. Why? Because it's in me. There's a garden in you, Aaron. There's a garden in you, Warren. Catherine. There's a garden in you, Victoria. You just have to marry your faith to it. What does it look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. Sam had to get a surgery Friday. And there's this man who I thought was an employee. I later saw he had a volunteer badge. Every time some question would come up or even seemingly concerned, a guy would pop his head up like a meerkat. He's like, but it's going to be great. It's going to be so much better when this is all done. I'm like, this guy like an angel? Who is this guy? <laughs> we come out, we're waiting, and it went way faster than we thought, like 40 minutes, maybe not even. I'm like, dang, that was fast. But we went and got breakfast and came back and it was done. And the guy's like... We're talking. I was like, man, you've been so encouraging. I've never been in a hospital like Akron's children were. I literally felt like I was at Disney where they were so compassionate, caring. I, I'm in hospitals like, yeah, the way, yeah, the room, like that kind of stuff. Dude, they were legit. And this guy found out I was a volunteer. And I'm like, what's your story, man? He's like, oh, I have two kids. One had open heart surgery. The other one had cancer. And he looked at me, he's like, baby, he's like, I've seen all kinds of miracles here. And he, you could see, he's like, I saw 
my two kids go through it, open heart surgery and cancer. And they both made it out and both were miracles. I see all kinds of miracles. So I thought, what better way to give back my time? He said, leave. I'm telling you, there's a frequency about this man. He looked rough, bald head, skinny with like beads on him. And he just looked like he was probably tough back in the day. And he's sitting there and he pulls, pulls up this wagon and puts Sam there and he walks us all the way to the thing. And I'm just like, I've never seen such excellence in a hospital in my life. Why? Because there's a garden in that man and gold was flowing out of him, not just for us, but for many other parents. And his testimony, the frequency cookie, I'm telling you, the testimony was in that room. There was absolutely no fear. We're in that room. And if there was even an ounce of fear that would even pop its antenna up, that thing was like a meerkat. Uh Uh-uh, son. Like, but you know, it's going to work out great. It's going to be so much better when everything, he didn't even know what he's in for. And I was like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? There's a frequency. There was gold flowing from him. Who was he? Just a volunteer. Sam was in the NICU. And we're walking around. There's this old guy smeared in like plastic all around him, like saran wrap looking thing. Who the heck's that guy? See him through the windows. He's sitting down. Puts a baby on him. Nurse tells us, I can't even remember what they call him. Oh, he's a, he's a, one of our huggers. I'm just going to call him a hugger because I can't remember their name. I'm like, what? When drug addicts have kids, they don't come in here, but their babies are in here and they don't see their parents for days and they have no one to love on them. We have volunteers that come in and hold these little babies because science shows us when they bond in human interaction, they come back to life and come back to health faster when they bond with a person that they're actually loved on. So they literally have volunteers. I wasn't allowed to see him for 12 days, but I know there was, there was a kingdom frequency. And I don't know if those people are saved or not saved. All I know is there has to be a seat in heaven for a man that gives up his life and sits there and holds these babies that have breathing tubes in them and come and he's wrapped in plastics. So they don't hurt them. And they just sit there and they smile at him. They love on him. They kiss on him. They pull him close and they begin this process to realize you're not alone, buddy. You're not alone. There's a bonding that takes place. <coughs> I'm telling you, you have resurrection life in you and you're just like those volunteers. When you show it to the job site and the thing with the breathing tube abandoned at the house you're paying and, and they look like they're dead from depression and you come in, you're like, it's okay, brother. I've seen worse. Any side of fear that pops up, Steph, and the foster care system, you just pop your head up like a meerkat, but it's all going to work out in the end. You become an oracle of hope, Brandon. If you can be anything, be an oracle of hope. And if the fear would even rear its head, you pop up like that meerkat. And you're like, but it's going to get better. And you just say things. As oracles of God, you speak hope into a generation. And you see babies on breathing tubes come back to life. Three, four pounds start to become five pounds. You know what's crazy? No, I don't know that man's name. But I know one of them held my son. He's not, a, he's not a celebrity. His name's not, his thing's not posted on Facebook on a flyer. He's not, he don't have a podcast. But he's a, 
oracle of hope. When he's looking at my son, you're loved. You're wanted. Come on, big guy. You can get through this. You can make it. You can breathe on your own. I believe in you. You're loved. And so when I couldn't be there, there was a man. Come on. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you're in the gun shop, Mike, this is what it's about. Mike and I talk about this, but it has nothing to do with coffee. Coffee is just a centerpiece for kingdom. The gun shop is just a centerpiece for kingdom. You're an oracle of hope. To the man that's God said it before, but I'm going to keep saying it. Do you believe it? To the man that's getting ready to go home and kill his wife and kids and shoot himself. I'm in my last end. No. Why? Because there's an oracle of hope in a gun shop. Where, you mean in a gun shop? Where you say, come get them? Yeah. We don't say, come get them here. We say, come get some. Come get Jesus. When you're in a music store, how apostolic is this? When they come in and they're, they're like, trying to find the right fit and you're like no this keyboard like you told me this keyboard is nice but this one here this will ring up your the keys will just hit your fingers and that sound will just be a part of it. it'll just be an extension of your fingertips and the sound will come forth in who you are and you see the life hit their eyes you just spoke hope into a leader into a musician that's going to deliver hope Do you understand what I'm saying? You're, Armin, you're raising up. That's apostolic. I'm not saying you're apostle. I'm saying that's apostolic. You're raising up. You're sowing into people that will be sent to release hope. Can you feel this tonight? When they come in to get their feet did, their hair did, whatever the heck you're doing, you got 9,000 ideas, and they're all beautiful. But they come into a playroom and they realize I don't have to be depressed to create something beautiful. I, I came in just to get my hair done for my daughter's prom for the pictures. But I came, but when I was waiting, I went into the sanctuary. And I found rest. I didn't go to a depravity tank where I have to shut everything off. No, I, I enter in where there's a sound and there's a fragrance and there's gold there. I'm telling you, Jeremy. They'll come and lay money at your feet. Woo, can you feel that? Come on, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. They'll come, they'll lay money at your feet. They'll, they'll give you money. I can't find this anywhere else. And you just lead them to him. You can have this anytime you want. His name is Yeshua. <laughs> Why? Why? Because there's something different about the play. I'm not worried in business anyone steals my ideas or my language. You know why? They don't have the frequency to carry it. Yeah. Sonny writes a song. She don't have to worry about stealing. They can sing your words. They don't have the frequency. It doesn't gonna, it's not going to affect them. It's going to be like a clean symbol. Why? Because they don't have the sound. They don't have the frequency. They don't have the gold flowing from them. And some of you business owners have to realize it's not even your skill that brings the work. It's you. I've had people tell, try to recruit me. To other jobs, making $7 more an hour. And they're like, why won't you do this? I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. And they're like, I don't care, Mike. I just want you. What? 
Hey, I need you to come sit in this committee. I don't really know about that. Hey, if you thought about this person, they'd be perfect for that. Mike, I don't want them. I want you. There's something different. The energy you bring to the room. I want that in this committee to make things happen. Nope, sorry. I feel no pull from the Lord. I did that in the beginning of my job and I started getting wore out. Being tied to everything. Nope, I'm only tied to what the Lord tells me to go to. But why do they want him? Why do they want me? Frequency. I have good ideas, but it's the frequency to manifest. And you'll know, I was speaking in Columbus on Monday, last Monday, and I went from talking to frequency, and I could feel the shift. I was telling them about it. And I began to challenge them not to think small and to do things, and I felt my gift turn on. I'm not a great public speaker, you know that. But when the gift turned on, they're like, whoa, that was inspiring. I'm like, no, you just encountered Jesus. You encounter Jesus. You encounter the garden. <sighs> Come on, you are oracles of hope. <sighs> I love the fact that you have a thousand businesses in you. You know why? Because someone has to start them. And you may keep a portion, you may hand them off. Who knows? You may own your own freaking plaza someday. Like a little mini mall with every Jeremy business in there. Josh and Jeremy mini mall. Like in Ravenna, they said that little mini mall in there. Hopefully a nicer one than that one. But it's Ravenna, so we'll give it a break. Praise God. Can you feel what I'm trying to tell you tonight? <clears throat> Stop looking for a physical garden and start allowing the garden to grow from within you. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Gate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.